Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And no, Cousin Shane on this episode, still on vacation. So I reached out to my good buddy, Michael Katz, covers the Ole Miss Rebels for the DJ Journal. Going to talk, uh, you know, the, the Ole Miss, they're on a little bit of a heater here. So a lot going on with Lane Kiffin's program. We'll get to that in just a minute. Huge day in the SEC for news and notes and before I said no cousin Shane I'm actually going to crack open a cold one for him we actually do got cousin Shane he sent in a video and lord does he hate this parent cam let's kick it over to cousin Shane what's going on (laughs) Uh, Shane's daily diaries you know what pisses me off parent cams you know i just don't get me wrong i know these parents should be proud and happy but joe schmo from east tennessee or southeast louisiana should not have to listen the entire game about how successful this kid's parents were and i'm telling you it's about to get bad arch manning hits the acc or sec it's going to be downright unbearable (laughs) i mean zach taylor you had your time Brad Johnson, you had your time. We don't need to be reminded by Gary the entire game how successful this kid's parents were. Let the kids have their moment. So you want to make college football better? Get rid of the damn parent cam. Some things never change, and uh, Cousin Shane hating that parent cam. It's funny that he's on vacation. He's still thinking about SEC football. That's that's the Tennessee homer for you. So, hey, uh, hopefully we'll get more rants and ravens from Cousin Shane as he's currently away from the show. But, hey, let's get into it because, like I said, huge day in the SEC for many teams starting, I think, the biggest news. Let's kick it all down to Fayetteville where it's finally official. On the bright side, Arkansas fans won't have to deal with Literally every offensive coordinator position that comes open in college football. Kendall Browse a candidate. Kendall Browse a candidate. Kendall sources. Kendall Browse interested. Sources. Offers been made. Kendall Browse off to TCU. And it's interesting. The fans have always been split on him. And, and based on what I'm seeing, it seems like the TCU fans are even as split as Arkansas fans on this higher and I'll just play it out there, man. I think this is terrible, particularly with the speculation of who the next hire will be. Barry Odom gone. I realized the defense was awful, but I place a lot of that more on injuries than anything. Now you got Kendall Browse leaving. Obviously, different circumstances, not leaving to be a head coach. I'd always been told. If a job in Texas, a good job in Texas opened up, Kendall Browse was likely to take it, and that obviously came true. But it also sounds like a lot of this has to do with the flirtation with Mississippi State. We just went through all that, and Kendall Browse was, hey, I'm here. I'm locked in for another year, getting a raise. Want to coach K.J. Jefferson for his final season here at Arkansas, and then a new job comes open, and then the rumor's all over again. So I don't even know if Kendall Browse was welcome back at this point in time. 
But it's hard to see this point in the coaching carousel, Sam Pittman upgrading from Kendall Brown. So we'll see who they hire. But now I'm going to get a little – I'm not a newsbreaker. I don't, I don't like to wade into these waters. But hearing it from multiple people that Kendall Browse is trying to get K.J. Jefferson – to join him at TCU, which would just be devastating to the Arkansas program. I'm hoping, like hell, that doesn't happen. But it's going to be fascinating. Here on Wednesday, this is the final day. I'm recording this on Wednesday. This comes out on Thursday, obviously. Wednesday is the final day to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Now, I know this, this is new. This is all confusing. So this is the last day to enter it. However... Commitments can happen at any time. So any player that's in the portal as of uh, midnight here, Thursday technically morning, I guess it is, that's what the deadline is. It's just entering the portal. So it does not mean many of these schools could still get commitments from the portal days, weeks, months from now. And, of course, there is a portal window in the spring, after spring football. And, again, I know this is all confusing, but it's my understanding these portal windows do not apply to graduate transfers. So come Thursday, come Friday, if you're an SEC graduate, you can essentially enter the portal. <laughs> so this is all damn crazy. I don't know if KJ, if he can do that. I think he's been down there long enough. He should be getting pretty close to his degree. So I don't know what to make of all this, but... Man, going back to last offseason, just I was hearing a lot of issues, drama within the coaching staff. Of course, Sam Pittman fired his longtime agent, went with Jimmy Sexton, got this huge raise after many times over saying, hey, I'm not leaving. Money's not that big a deal. That I didn't care to see. But now you're seeing coordinators. I mean, going to UNLV, is that really a promotion? Going to TCU, I realize they were in the college football playoff, but is that really a promotion? I don't know. And on the flip side, I don't know if Arkansas can upgrade. I certainly don't think they upgraded with Travis Williams from Barry Odom, but I just don't know if you could have upgraded from Barry Odom. He was that good. And I realize they probably got a better recruiter in Travis Williams. I would take Travis Williams as a better recruiter than Barry Odom, but not as a better defensive Game player just doesn't have the experience. So he could be better, but again, we'll have to see who they get as the offensive coordinator. But this is troubling, troubling times here in Fayetteville. And I, I was clinging to we're going to have this elite offense, which we could still have. Again, many Kendall Browse haters out there. Maybe they're proven right, and I'll be wrong. <laughs> Hell, I just, we just did a podcast of uh, 30 minutes of me being wrong about stuff. So hopefully I'm wrong about this too. But we're at a crossroads with Sam Pittman. I think we already were at a crossroads. Now losing his offensive coordinator. Things are getting hairy down there in Fayetteville. But, hey, I hate to be all doom and gloom because we did get some good news for Arkansas real quick here on Wednesday evening. Dwight McLaughlin, outstanding corner, came in from LSU, day one starter, made a huge impact for the Razorbacks. He announced officially, I'm back for next season. That's a huge boost to this Arkansas defense, so love to see that. Next, let's kick it on down to Athens where we had some interesting news. Let's start with the good news. 
This happened right after we got done recording on uh, Tuesday evening. But Lad McConkey, outstanding receiver, announced he is back for another year, trying to go three for three national championships with them Bulldogs. Talk about an underdog story. I mean, no, I don't think hardly anybody wanted this kid, yet he's been one of Georgia's most dynamic players two years in a row, now going into his third season. Great news for Georgia's offense. Bad news, A.D. Mitchell, outstanding receiver, caught the game-winning touchdown in both, well, not both national championships, but against Alabama the national championship and the Ohio State game, which was essentially the national championship A.D. Mitchell leaving, rumored to head to Texas to join up with Steve Sarkeesian. That's not official, but it is official. He's leaving Georgia, and that's a tough blow. A.D. Mitchell missed a lot of time this season, but, again, you miss that much time, and you make the critical play in a college football playoff, the toughest game you had to face against Ohio State, who did they go to with the game on the line? It wasn't Brock Bowers. It wasn't Darnell Washington. Lad McConkie was banged up, so not fair to throw him into that conversation. But who did they go to? Stetson went to A.D. Mitchell. Big-time receiver. We didn't get to see much of him due to, uh, I believe it was an ankle sprain he had most of the season. But – Bulldog fans, you should not be too concerned because obviously you're bringing in Ra-Ra Thomas from Mississippi State. He's got the potential to be top 10 receiver in the SEC. You're bringing in Dominic Lovett from Missouri, who was already a top 10 receiver, arguably top five receiver last season at Missouri. And that was with some pretty bad quarterback play. So just imagine what Dominic Lovett can do in an offense where he doesn't have to shoulder the load, where he can be teamed up with some quarterbacks. So, again, Ra-Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett for A.D. Mitchell, I'd make that trade every time. That's not to say I think A.D. Mitchell may be a better player than either one of them, but, but hell, two-on-one, give me the two all day. Uh, and, of course, Brock Bowers, Lad McConkie. I mean, if that's your four and Georgia's got a hell of a lot more weapons than four, they'll be just fine, but – it is that's a tough loss to see AD Mitchell leave your program after a national championship. Also, since we last recorded, it's official. Jaden Rashada, Elite 11 quarterback, Florida signee, has asked out of his national letter of intent. And man, it's a tough blow for Billy Napier. We talked about it many times, but this is not on Billy Napier. This is not on the Florida football program. This is on the collective down there, the Gator Collective, it's called down there. And really, the way it's, I was just told this on Wednesday, kind of the same deal. You know, no secret, everybody kind of knows by now, but the guy footing the bill for this massive $13 million contract just pulled out and said, I'm not paying that for this kid. They tried to rework the deal after not having those financial commitments that they originally, after not having the funds available for the original deal. Rashada family was not interested in reworking the deal. They wanted what was technically owed to them contractually and not able to renegotiate. And Jaden Rashada, time at Florida over before it begins. And this is tough because 
I think you got to let him out of your out of his litter because at this point, hell, even if you do let him out, he might be suing. I don't know that he could flo- sue Florida, but he could sue the Gator Collective, I would imagine. And I think that's the last thing you want if you're Florida because the last thing you want is more information to come out. You don't want high school recruits to know the exact details of promises, financial made, not delivered. Again, not Billy Napier, not Florida program, but the collective. And believe me, all the other big-time SEC collectives are paying. So what's that going to say to the future of Billy Napier's program if this is all out there? So I think you you got to wash your hands of this, just move on to the next. But tough, tough blow. And hopefully this doesn't cost Billy Napier some momentum here. Still don't have a quarterback. I thought they'd go and get Walker Howard. We'll get to more to him in just a second. They tried, but they were unable to get it. So it's Graham Mertz right now and Jack Miller and Max Brown, a three-star that they signed who just went through his first season there under Billy Napier. So they they don't have much to work with. I would imagine Florida will still be active in the transfer portal. Got to do something here. But it would just be a damn shame for Billy Napier if they don't recover from this and they don't land an elite quarterback. Uh, I know they've got one committed in the 2024 cycle. I believe he's a five-star. DJ Lagway, I think is his name is. Maybe they can get him to reclassify. But in the SEC, you just don't, particularly at a school like Florida, where they want you competing for championships, they're not going to give you three or four years to get your offense going. So, again, this is not even on Billy Napier, but he may be the one that has to pay the price after this uh, disaster of an NIL situation. So speaking of Walker Howard, again, I thought Florida immediately would get in on him. They tried, but he is going to Ole Miss. It's official, the LSU legacy. Imagine that, jumping from LSU to Ole Miss, where they already got a starting quarterback in Jackson Dart. Maybe not for long. Maybe Walker Howard could supplant him. I've heard a lot of Matt Corral comparisons with Walker Howard. So ideal fit for Lane Kiffin's offense. And it's interesting because it's hard for me to believe Walker Howard, again, LSU legacy, his dad, Jamie, was a quarterback at LSU back in the day, leaving Baton Rouge because they had Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer to jump ship to Ole Miss. You have to believe that uh, considering he didn't go somewhere where the path was even clearer to starting, that he believes he'll have a shot to play for Lane Kiffin this season. And it's going to be fascinating to see how Jackson Dart responds. Because Jackson Dart had his moments, but clearly not one of the elite SEC quarterbacks. Fans will be looking for him to make that jump next season. But if he doesn't, we have maybe the most talented quarterback prospect to sign with Ole Miss. It's, uh, I don't know, Shea Patterson. Eli Manning, I mean, we're talking that elite Walker Howard, number five quarterback prospect in the country just a year ago. And he's, I would imagine he's probably wanting to get some revenge against LSU. So uh, this is going to be great to see 
Lane Kiffin, remember, it was a couple weeks ago they lost their high school signee to Texas A&M. Now they turn around and get Walker Howard. I think I'd rather have Walker Howard. It's wild how all this works out. You lose a guy. The transfer portal is there to help fix your roster woes. And Lane Kiffin, it, it sounds like they may not be done adding quarterbacks to the roster. We'll get to that in just a minute with Michael Katz from the DJ Journal. But last one wanted to hit because Ole Miss was after Tulu Griffin, arguably the SEC's best kick returner, Mississippi State receiver, jumped into the portal on Wednesday, announced he's back. He's the second one to do that. Xavion Thomas, their outstanding punt returner. I mean, they got two of the best returners. It's, it's wild how they both go to Mississippi State. Now with the new offense, supposed to be a much more explosive, really suits Tulu Griffin, Xavier Thomas. Can't wait to see what they look like in this new offense. But a big, big win for Mississippi State, getting the best kick returner in the SEC to withdraw his name from the portal. And not only that, had he not withdrawn his name, he was probably headed to Ole Miss. And, I mean, that's just too much for fans to, to stomach, losing a great player like that to your biggest damn rival in the SEC. But all right, let's kick it over to our interview with Michael Katz from the DJ Journal. Always a good time talking some Ole Miss football with Michael Katz. Hey, we're pleased to once again be joined by friend of the show, Michael Katz, featured prominently on the Paul Feinbaum show all the time. Give him a follow, Michael L. Katz. And of course, he covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Michael, how's it going, brother? I'm good, but hey, you've been on Feinbaum more recently than me. You're 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 the more prominent guest at this point. <laughs> I don't know why he keeps having me on. Don't really know why he keeps having you on. But you're a professional. I'm just a guy in my my closet over here. But uh, hey, anytime he rings, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I drop exactly what I'm doing and I, and I I make it happen. Oh yeah, the world stops. It doesn't matter what's going on. <laughs> well, it, the world has not stopped down there in Oxford, and you know it was just a couple weeks ago. Fans are freaking out. We're losing all these games. Kiffin, will he? Won't he leave? He got a massive, massive deal out of this, and now so I think you know just life in the SEC, Michael. I mean, we're all crazy. Some people were suggesting, well, he got his money. He, you know, maybe he's just, that's all he was after anyway, but no, they've turned around. They've upgraded the coaching staff significantly, in my opinion, by adding Pete Golding as defensive coordinator. What's your read on, uh, on Kiffin doing that? And is this just the latest sign that Lane Kiffin is serious about making uh, Ole Miss not only a contender, but by possibly reaching Atlanta by making a big move like this? Yeah, I mean, just an absolutely wild few months uh, if, you, if you're an Ole Miss fan, right? Even if you're covering Ole Miss, you went from, you know, the, the whole Auburn uh, saga, let's call it, to now uh, really bolstering the coaching staff. I, I know Alabama fans have, have said, you know, we didn't want Pete Golding anyway, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I understand that, like, when you're used to a certain level of success, uh, you know, maybe if things aren't exactly – if you're not going undefeated every year, if you're not in the national title game every year – People get upset that, you know, Bill O'Brien's not the most popular guy in the world there either, but all that program has done is win. And I think if you're looking at upgrades, uh, you know, Chris Partridge was a really good recruiter and that defense made really big strides from, you know, 2020 when I think they gave up close to 40 points a game. 
uh, whatever it was, and to now where, you know, it was, I think, around 25 this year. It was 24 last year. But, um, you know, when 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 the dam broke for Ole Miss during games, it really broke. And there were moments where uh, they were out of position, that they weren't able to tackle was an issue. Tackling was an issue all year. Uh, and I think personnel was an issue to an extent, too, uh, in, in certain places. And when you bring in a guy like Golding, who has had nothing but top 20 defenses every year that he's been in Alabama, and I know the counter to that is always, well, he's had five-star talent. Well, yeah, that's true, but you still got to get the talent to play. Uh, I, I'm a USC grad. I have seen talent not play well for a decade. Uh, it does not, just because you have talent doesn't mean it always works. And so, uh, you know, he did a really nice job at Alabama. And I just think bringing in that credibility, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I think, it, like you said, it, it sort of brings in a, 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 a it shows you that that, that, that that Lane is serious with, with what he wants to do here. Uh, you don't bring in a guy who's going to be making, I think it's like 2 million a year or something like that. You don't bring a guy in like that if you're if you're not planning on on building something. And so, I think when you do something like that, it shows that one you're you're you you're wanting to to grow the program. But two, I think he was really upset with how that season ended because things just started so well, and it, I mean it really it really fell apart late. And and when we were sitting there uh, in Texas at the, at the Texas Bowl post game, uh, you could just see that like he was like this isn't gonna stand and and it's one thing for a coach to say it it's another thing for a coach to do it and, and i think it's um i think it says a lot about about where he's at and do you put any stock into this michael that the fact that you know the last two seasons i realized like you said alabama's loaded with uh talent but the last two seasons they have really stifled lane kiffin's offense so I have to imagine there's some mutual respect there between Kiffin and Golding and the fact that he's probably sitting here saying, well, if they can limit us, uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, if I can get him, he, you know, major upgrade for my staff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime that, you know, Ole Miss averaged 35-ish points per game, 33, I think, the year before, uh, you know, it, it's it, it, anytime that a scheme can handle you and make things really hard for you. Now, Ole Miss obviously had a chance to win. Last year's game, um, but again, that was the, the defense played great for the most part, uh, other than a few things here and there. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, that being said, I, I think that there is a, a certain amount of respect, and I think Lane Kiffin has a lot of respect for guys that Nick Saban uh, has because he has a lot of respect for Nick Saban. I think we've seen that over the last few years, just how uh, much he respects saving in his process and the way that he runs his program. And so I think anytime you have a chance to get a guy from, from a staff like that, it's, it, it, it's a no brainer. Right. And they also added West neighbors, safeties coach. He's worked with lane at FAU. He's obviously spent many years under Nick Saban uh, at Alabama, Mike Loxley, Alabama connection there again, uh, even Billy Napier connection there. So, uh, it, it's they really are doing everything they can to rework this this coaching staff, and uh, the changes are are probably still to come because isn't Partridge and Crum? I mean, as far as I know, they're they're still technically on staff. Yeah, we we have not exactly heard uh, what their uh, future is. It's not shocking when the press release says, "Well, welcome this guy." It doesn't say what happened to the last guys. Uh, so that kind of remains to be seen. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure 
I'm just looking at it like from my perspective, if, if I was forced out of my job, I probably would be looking for jobs elsewhere. So, well, you know, I'm, I won't be surprised if we see a, you know, welcome Chris Partridge by some other school in some capacity or whatever it is. Uh, that's not, 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 not saying that he's, there's no way he comes back or anything, but uh, I think it'd be kind of hard just from a, 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 you know, just a, a standpoint of, wow, like this, you push me out. Do I really want to be here anymore? But I, I, I'm not inside his head. It's hard to ever guess what a coach is thinking. But uh, yeah, no, the the press release conveniently left out uh, last year's defensive coordinators. <laughs> well, let me ask you. Last, you know, the only thing I really wanted to ask you about last season, you you hit on it. Obviously, all the Ole Miss fans know the end of the season. Clearly, I mean, it went as bad as it possibly could. Does Lane Kiffin? Do you think? Uh, is is he getting? Um, a pass at all uh, because it, it was not just a defense it was the offense that really at times and I'm thinking that the end of the Alabama game was a disaster and and there are others to point to but is he getting uh, uh, a pass for that in Oxford I don't think so uh, because it was really a every part of the team in certain games seemed to have its its hiccups uh, you know it, 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 like you mentioned Alabama the offense, you know, they took their best player out uh, for the meaningful drives. Um, uh, you know, Alabama that they or sorry, Arkansas, they really couldn't do anything. Period. Uh, and, and Mississippi State, uh, the offense was really not that great. Zach Arnett did a really nice job. Uh, State's now head coach uh, of scheming that uh, against Ole Miss, but I, I think there was a lot of blame to go around. And, and I think, you know, right or wrong. Uh, the distractions that were out there at the end of the season um, with, with Lane's uh, future and, and him sort of talking about things and then not talking about things. And then, um, you know, issuing it saying, you know, head on, um, you know, this reporter got it wrong, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you, you can't tell me that that doesn't play some sort of part in, in, in how things kind of went down at the end in terms of distractions. And, uh, I mean, think about it. if you're an 18, 19, 20 year old and you have you're seeing all of this. How on earth do you stay focused on on this slate of games? I imagine it's got to be brutal. And, um, you know, Lane even said he, he had to hold a team meeting the week of the Egg Bowl because it was out there that, you know, he was he was going to be leaving and stuff. And so uh, I think that's another reason people aren't giving him a pass, because, you know, conventional wisdom says if he you know had just signed the contract uh, earlier, this is all avoided. Right. Um, but that's not the way it went down. And, you know, it's, it's hard to know how exactly things were you know, really going down. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's got to be partly on him, too. So I, I don't think he's getting any passes. But uh, I think with him doing the making the moves that he's made, I think he's he's starting to get back in the good graces a little bit. Not not saying that he that, you know, he was ever, uh, you know, a, a villain or anything like that. But I, I think people were a little bit upset with how things kind of ended. Right. Well, and then following this Pete Golding news uh the wave of momentum continues big news here on wednesday morning as walker howard former lsu quarterback he was rated as the number five quarterback prospect in the country this time last year this was uh, an lsu legacy someone they desperately did not want to lose a lot of people down there talked to you know they were surprised that uh, they were losing walker howard he was the future of their program now he's an old miss rebel um how Interesting is that to you, considering we got Jackson Dart and I mean, a, 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 what was it a month ago? They lost the top high school prospect that they had 
had a, a long commitment now now at A&M. Now our room's in shambles. Now it's it's looking way better than it than it could have a month ago. It's it's wild how this all plays out. Yeah, I mean the the portal has really changed the way business is done because if you miss out on a high school recruit, you, you always have a chance to get somebody. Um, and uh, it's it really is nuts. Like you said, uh, you know Marcel Reed was a long time Ole Miss commit, uh, and then you know things changed. He ended up at A and M and. Uh, Luke Altmeyer, who was a four-star uh, kid in, in his class out of Starkville, he transferred to Illinois. So all of a sudden, you have Jackson Dart and Kincaid Dent and and some walk-ons, uh, you know, behind him. That room is looking not great. Uh, but you add in a guy uh, like this, and uh, again, a talented kid, high profile, um, was a very highly touted kid coming out of high school. That room, like you said, you know, I'm not, I don't want to compare him to like Marcel Reed or anything, but. Uh, you're feeling pretty. You're, you're feeling pretty good about the future of that position, and he's going to have four years left. Uh, he can't have four years left. He only played in two games last year. Uh, you know, depending how long, you know, if 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 how long Jackson decides to play at Ole Miss in terms of his professional career, and you know, there's so many different factors there. But you know, you're, you're the future of that position looks really really good when you thought maybe you missed out on it and. Uh, I, rem- I remember during signing day, Elaine was was very calculating the way he talked about it because he said, you know, it's really weird to be up here talking about, about our recruiting class because it's not really done because we've only have, I think they signed 11 guys or whatever it was. There's still this whole other, you know, portal period that's going to unfold the way it does. And, you know, it, it was, it was, it's a good reminder to never really uh, you, you can never really take the the signing day as as the final thing because just so much can happen uh, over over the portal period. I think it's a great get. He's a talented kid. Um, second year in a row, Ole Miss has gotten a really really highly touted quarterback in the portal. Um, you know, I, I I imagine that the Jaden Daniels thing probably moved that timeline uh, up for him wanting to get out just based on you know him coming back and Garrett Nussmeyer is also still there, um, all that kind of stuff. But it, it's a heck of a get for Ole Miss. Anytime you can add premier talent uh, you have to do it it's a no-brainer right and you're a professional michael so i know you don't wade into the rumors i'm not necessarily so i will uh it, there's a rumor out there that spencer sanders from oklahoma state could also be joining ole miss and and i don't again i don't know if that's going to happen but the fact that we've added walker howard if we add another quarterback down there in ole miss what if anything does that say to you about Jackson Dart and his stock down there because at times he's looked brilliant I mean there is talk like like you kind of hinted at there NFL aspirations if he has another big year he probably will jump to the NFL because he's got that talent but does it surprise you at all that 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 we're loading up the quarterback room uh or do you think this is just Lane Kiffin saying hey you know we've got to be better across the board and I'm going to do that however I can I knew I knew Spencer Sanders was going to come up because that's uh, of course right. The second Howard signs, uh, the rumors just keep going about Spencer Sanders. I think there's there's a couple ways you can look at it. Uh, you can look at it as, hey, we're going to bring in an experienced guy. You know, maybe you know Jackson took his lumps last year. There's no question about it. He was not perfect. Bring in a guy to bring in some competition and, and see how it plays out. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I I've always been in the camp of this is Jackson darts team at this point. I, I know he won that locker room over pretty quickly. Just he's a gutsy kid. He, he, he's not perfect, but he's got some cojones in the way that he plays and he's tough. And I think teammates really kind of gravitate toward that. 
Um, but, you know, the Spencer Sanders thing was always really interesting because I think everybody thought that he was going to maybe have more interest uh, than, than he did with uh, he's an all big 12 kid uh, a couple years ago, four year starter at Oklahoma state was really, was, was pretty productive. I don't think the th- whole thing played out the way that maybe he thought it would. And so now if you're Lane Kiffin, why not add talent? And I understand that, you know, not every, you know, the, there's always going to be, well, what do you, what do you say to Jackson Dart and the quarterback room, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if it's that so much as if there is a highly talented guy out there, we need to bring him in. And uh, I, I don't, I don't think it, I don't know if it really says anything about the state of, you know, who's going to be starting the season uh, under center, but uh, I understand that's a, that's something that a lot of people have been talking about in terms of, does this say that we have less faith in Jackson Dart, blah, blah, blah. I think it's just when, when, when there's talent out there, you bring it in. Think about the NFL draft. If you have a, a starting quarterback, a, a good quarterback, but you see a guy who drops the second round and he's a high, he was a guy who could have gone the first round. A lot of times you take him because that's value and it's never, it's never a bad thing to have talent. So it, it will be interesting. You don't usually see teams take two portal quarterbacks, not just two portal quarterbacks, but two guys who, one has been a starter and one is expected to be a starter at some point. But, you know, Lane is unconventional and, and and he does things differently. But I think at the end of the day, if talent's there, you take it. Now, let me ask you about uh, some of the I, – I wanted to get your thoughts on the transfer portal. Who do you think of, of anybody that they've added or at least gained a commitment from do you think makes the biggest impact – Next season, I know they got the five-star uh, Chris Marshall from Texas A&M. I hear good things about Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech. They're, again, I, I don't think it's official, but they're they're getting some help at linebacker potentially. Who do you think would be the biggest impact transfer addition to Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last couple of years, the receivers have produced and then they've gone. And, you know, this past year, Mingo and Heath were really, really productive, but they're off to the NFL. And so – uh, like you said, I think bringing in Marshall and, and Harris is really, really big. Uh, they, I think they feel good about Jordan Watkins and, and and guys like that. But when you can bring in guys who have, we, like you said, Marshall was a, uh, you know, a, a super highly recruited guy. And, uh, and, and Harris is a guy who's produced. I think anytime you can bring in talent like that, again, you got to do it and it just makes the room better. Uh, I also think another one is is um, uh, is, is Josh Harris from NC State. We know Ole Miss had its issues stopping the run toward the end of the year, and, and he was a guy who was a pretty big recruit coming. I think he was a four star kid uh, coming out of high school. When you can add talent to the defensive front, defensive tackle has not necessarily been a strength. And I, I think JP Geese is a, is is a, is a really nice player, but you need more, and you need guys who can stuff the run, and so. Uh, I think getting a guy like that is is really big. I also um, really like the corner from uh, from Miami, Ohio. They got a corner, a six four corner from um, John Saunders from from Miami, Ohio. Um, I, I think he's a, a really nice one. Um, you know, he again a six four kid. We know that almost wasn't always great uh, stopping uh, the passing game either. They had a lot of holes on that team and on that defense. So I think anytime you can get uh, talent like that. It, it's good. You know, I mean, this maybe wasn't like the splashy portal like we saw last year in terms of, of Dart and Michael Trigg and guys like that. But 
you know, Howard's obviously a big name, but maybe the rest of it isn't aren't necessarily those huge names. But I think Ole Miss is doing a really good job of filling out its positions of need. And when you when you don't get guys that maybe you needed or you thought you might get from the high school ranks, you got to do what you got to do. All right, last thing for you, Michael. Really appreciate your time. I don't know about you, but when they put out the the next year's football schedules and they drop it in the middle of the year, like I don't even pay attention to it because I I forget it in five minutes. So I've got I've started to look at next year's schedule, and I'm not going to run through the whole thing. But week one, Mercer at home. That's that's the opener. You should that's a pick your score type game. But week two, how, how about week two though? This is the one I really wanted to ask you about. Tulane. On the road, they just won the freaking what was it, the Cotton Bowl over your beloved USC Trojans. I for, I, I forgot that connection. I, I swear I'm not trying to rub that in. But oh, how tricky of a game is that for Lane Kiffin? Because certainly you gotta assume they'll beat Tulane. Maybe they'll be a little bit more motivated now that uh, we've seen Tulane play at a high level on the biggest stage. But my God, after last season's ending, if you lose to friggin' Tulane, my God. I mean, the, the fans the fans are, are never going to forgive him for that one. Oh, uh, of, of course, you had to bring up uh, – you said <laughs> Tulane in my heart sank because, boy, that was a, that was a, that was a rough one for me. Uh, I thought I was home free with four minutes and 30 seconds left, and then lo and behold, one gives up 16 points. Or USC gives up 16 points and it breaks my freaking heart. Um but no, I mean it's funny because you know Tulane was what two and ten last year. They go turn around to twelve and two. I mean it's insane what Willie Fritz did there, uh, and their quarterback's coming back, and so that's going to be a really really fun game. It's uh, it's man, and and going on the road is, is never easy. I understand it's it's not like you're going to Death Valley or anything like that in terms of what the crowd's going to be, but you got to imagine they're going to be pretty excited uh, for that and. Uh, man, that's that's um, if you had told me at the beginning of 2022, the beginning of this past season, Tulane, I would have said, oh, you know, it's it's it's, you know, it's just a road game. But now, w- given what Tulane just did, boy, that's that's gonna be a really, really fun <laughs> game. And uh, thank you for making me relive uh, January 2nd of 2023 for me. All right, Michael, on your way out the door, can you tell the audience uh, where to find all your work? Yeah, so you can uh, you can find me at djournal.com. It's the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal's website. You can, if you want to see the tweets, I, I will never guarantee they're good, but they are they are plentiful. Uh, at Michael L. Katz, K-A-T-Z. So thanks again, Michael, for joining the show. Give him a follow. Does a great job there for the DJ Journal covering Ole Miss. And uh, last thing here I got on this episode, just like we did last episode recapping Georgia's season, Let's crunch the numbers on Ole Miss's 2022 season, courtesy of Matrix Analytical Dave Bar to the man, CFB Matrix. Give him a follow, all the outstanding work he's doing. He's crunched the numbers for offensive and defensive efficiency for every team in the SEC, and he goes a step further by analyzing the offensive and defensive efficiency for the offenses and defenses faced for every single SEC team and that's valuable to know because if your team finished top 20 but you faced you know a top 80 teams that's really not that impressive now if you finished top 25 and you faced a top five schedule essentially that's pretty damn impressive so to give you some info throw it up here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube 
But man, we all realized Ole Miss defense needed some improvement. Ole Miss finished number 65 scoring defensive efficiency in the country. That's not going to get it done. But it's pretty wild because after the first month of the season, Ole Miss ranked number 10. So we all know Ole Miss had a cupcake schedule. They got off to a 7-0 and start due it, thanks to uh, the teams they were facing early on, and it was the back half of the schedule, the lone win during that stretch being Texas A&M. If you just look at the chart, I mean, the, the defense got worse and worse, started 10th again. Bartu's numbers only start after the first month of the season so he can collect enough data here. But you go at, from 10th to 15th to 23rd to 29th, and once you hit Alabama, whew, 46th, 63-65. That's awful. And what's I think even more disturbing, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, because we got rid of the, the defensive staff. We're reworking. We're bringing in Pete Golding to fix our woes. But Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss offense really took a nosedive. And they didn't face a tough schedule by any means. Ole Miss offensive scoring efficiency, 44th in the country, while facing the 43rd toughest defense in the country based on their analytics. And really, as expected, once they got into the most difficult part of their schedule, I mean, it it was a train wreck. And the key takeaway that I want Ole Miss fans to, to take from all this, this data dump, and again, I hope you're looking at the chart because it makes a, a hell of a lot more sense, but the average scoring efficiency rank of the teams Ole Miss faced during the regular season was 86. 86th best offense in the country, essentially. And hell, it was in the 100s. <laughs> until they played Alabama, which was the the third to last game they played. So they essentially played just absolutely garbage offenses, and their defense ranked 65th in the country. I realize Ole Miss does not have the athletes that, you know, some of the premier teams like Alabama, Georgia, LSU have, but when you're facing a defense, average defense scoring efficiency of 86th, and you finish 65th in total defensive efficiency, that tells you you need to blow it up. And if nothing else, Lane Kiffin making a move. You never know when these coaching changes. Are they going to work? How well they're going to work? But the fact that uh, he's identifying an issue here and addressing it. Remember, Partridge and Crum, they hired them last offseason. So making a quick turnaround, I think that's nothing but a positive for Ole Miss we just can't have this. Can't have another season-ending collapse. And if you go back to the Sugar Bowl season two years ago, Matt Corral got hurt late in the year. The offense took a dip. It was the defense that was carrying that program late into the season. Weren't able to do it, and the wheels fell off. Of course, by looking at these analytics, the, the offense fell off for Ole Miss as well as the schedule got significantly tougher, as you would imagine. But uh, up until the final month of the season, Ole Miss had a top 20 scoring efficiency offense, yet they finished 44th. So the offense hit a tailspin as well. 
And that's why you bring in quarterbacks. That's why you bring in receivers. They need some, uh, get some help for Judkins to kind of complete what they're trying to do there on the offensive side of the ball. But key takeaway for Ole Miss when studying the numbers, again, defense was terrible considering the offenses they faced. And that right there tells you you need to make a change. Lane Kiffin did it. Cannot wait to see how it shapes out for them Ole Miss Rebels next season. But, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Uh, We got another guest lined up for next episode. Should be a really fun one. And, uh, you know, with the portal closing, we'll kind of be breaking that down. Winners and losers from the transfer portal window. 45 days of madness coming to an end. I can't take any more updates of players jumping in and out of the portal and withdrawing from the portal and making commitments and this and that. We'll soon be done with that. Thank God. But we'll recap it on the next episode to close out the week. I really appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.